Prize Gold on Wood. Thank you for joining me here on Remotely. We already been talking, so I'm gonna, but I'm gonna start back before. Okay, so I always ask everyone, did young Roz know that she was gonna go on to play in at Stanford and then do all? So let me just ask you, what was young Roz thinking that Roz was gonna be when she grew up? Young Roz grew up with a Nigerian father. So <laughs> I thought maybe I was going to be a doctor. I thought maybe I was going to be a brain surgeon. Ah, uh Fatima, -uh, become a Gisime daughter is a doctor. <laughs> Look at your peers. What is basketball? But um, nah, maybe I thought I was going to be a brain surgeon at some point. I mean, early on, um, I probably thought about being a basketball player. I definitely didn't think I'd be a broadcaster. But I want to make sure to say, um, the passion for the game came from my mother. Um, and she was the one that, you know, created little teams and queens, put flyers on the lampposts yeah. and got the girls yeah. together and the mothers together. She used to take pictures and she was one of the first people in our community that really understood like websites and used to put our little pictures up um, for the, you know, little tournaments we played on the websites. So, you know, everything that's kind of going well on the basketball side, even off the court, you know, it started from my mom really giving me a ball and giving me a chance with the game. I love that. Shouts to the moms because mine was the same. So I think all of us will have the same type of situation. But also, I wanted to ask you, so you started out, you didn't know what you were going to be. When did you realize that you could, like, you're, you're good? Like, you know, like I always ask everybody, when did you start to realize I might be a little bit above average? In broadcasting? No, in basketball, I'm starting young. Oh. We're starting. We're starting young oh, girl. Because young girl, basketball. I was. You were above average, Raj. You got a scholarship to Stanford in that team. No, I'm saying. I I I was I was really good young. You was good young. So when did you realize that though? Because a lot of people like so. I've realized with the guy side. A lot of them be like, yeah, junior high, high school. They feel later that they realized they were good, maybe because they felt like there was a lot of good competition young. But when did you realize that, like, I think I might have something here that I could, like, look towards to? Oh, yeah, girl. So I grew up, uh, I started playing when I was four. Um, I was playing up, and I was already, you know, just as good as the older kids. I used to play at the park a lot. And I remember after a while, um, and it was mostly the boys at the park, um, after a while I used to come to the court and guys would be like, she can't play. She can't play, Ross can't play because I was just so much better. And then uh -huh. eventually my mom, then, then my mom came out and said, you have to let her play. And then it was, we got Roz, we got, it was a fight to let me play. And eventually boys got to the age where they got bigger, stronger and could jump higher. Yeah, and they yeah. started to, you know, just get better. But um, for a while, like, you know, that's how it was growing up. And then coming up in New York, I was actually, you know, came out was the top guard in the tri-state area. Like you could, we have the same stories. People who played college at the colleges we played at, we were all the best in our look, respective I want state. people to know your story. We might have similar <laughs> stories, but look, you talked about it. Like, I want people to know your story because I think it's, your story is very, very unique, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I guess I was, I've been this height and size probably since like, uh, fifth grade or something like that so you know I was always kind of a big guard um, and I definitely came up in New York much more focused on my handle and and I could drive to the basket really strong right it wasn't really until I went to college and went to Stanford 
that I learned a lot more about the, uh, the, the way to think the game, the cerebral aspects, develop the jump shot. And also there were a ton of other players who were the best in their, in their respective states. And so I learned a lot more about like, you know, finding my role, finding my lane and being a part of something big. But when I was young, coming up in New York, oh yeah, no, been good. Been <laughs> about it, okay. And so you ended up going to Stanford, you talked about it, having a Nigerian dad. So did that affect your decision for your college? Like, is that why you picked like Stanford, only one of the top academic schools in the nation? Is that, did that have anything to do with it? Or was it, you let like Tara all the way, the program? I actually, the first school that was recruiting me um, was Brenda Freeze in Maryland. Um, and I very much was thankful for that attention and the chance to even have that opportunity. In fact, my freshman year at Stanford, Maryland went on to win the national championship. But, but right, right. But um, Stanford came in a little bit later. And for me, I was coming up in a house that was just, hey, ball and academics. Um, also for me, growing up in, in Queens, and very, I'm very much a very basic kind of Queensy girl, like nothing, you know, we're just regular people, you know, like uh, maybe lower middle class, you know, maybe, you know, the biggest thing I trip I'd taken was an AAU trip actually, um, probably like Disney World to play like that AAU basketball tournament there. And those were my first palm trees I saw. But outside of that, I really didn't get to see them like that. So imagine me going to Stanford's campus and them driving me down, you know, sold all the palm trees going down to Memorial Church. It, I've never seen such luxury in my life. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, what is that, velvet? Like, I was like, yo, it's crazy. But um, no, my, Tara came for a home visit. Mm -hmm. uh, Tara and Vanderveer, shout out to the Stanford Women's Basketball Champions. Hey, yes. I'm sorry. I, I know this is it painful for you. What happened no, to your I, team? That's why I like it because I'm really, like, I get it. I like excellence. So y'all won. <laughs> okay. And y'all been excellent so long, damn. Can somebody else have a moment? Sheesh. Listen, you knocked me out. So I wasn't, you knocked me out of the NCAA tournament my, my sophomore year. So I, you know, I, I talked about, there's a photo. We were talking about this before the show started. Oh. There is a photo. And if passion was in a photo, it would be that photo of you and I going after a loose ball. But to me, it was less <laughs> like, you could just see the, like, that's women's basketball. To me, women's basketball in a photo was that photo. I'm going to have to get that photo so we can show you. We need that photo. Yeah. I hope, I hope y'all have uh, Getty's rights images and stuff. Y'all got this? Does I don't know. Like, no, we might have to just. <laughs> Does show have that budget? Yeah, you don't ask permission. You be on the big platforms. Y'all got to ask permission. <laughs> No, I'm sure y'all got. I'm sure y'all got it, but we need to get that picture, Renee. You're absolutely right, and off, it's one of my favorite photos from my collegiate career. We are both just fiercely clawing, holding each other, and you can you can see it in both our eyes, trying to get the ball, and the ball is it goes out of bounds. You can see the out of bounds line at the down at the baseline right. too. Yeah, like I wonder. I wonder who got the ball. <laughs> I don't know. It was probably you. It was probably you. It probably went no out of town. It looked like it was <laughs> close enough to actually get it. But that's the point. Women's basketball. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of bonds all of us. Like right when we got on the call, we started just talking. I'm like, let me start this show so we can talk about this on air. But I feel like there's this common build amongst it was women's basketball. But now if you look and you saw the draft that happened recently and you saw right. the jersey reveal. You can just see that women now, there's this new movement going on where women, we understand that like, it's our time. I mean, even take you, you're on these huge platforms, the boardroom. I remember 
like pumping it up when you were doing the sidelines for Golden State Warriors. I remember being like, Roz, I see you. Can you just talk about just where women are in media now from where, I mean, in 2009, we both like that we're the same class. So there's been a dramatic jump. Just can you just talk about that? Yeah, I mean, and I can say the same for you, girl. Like, you know, I'm gonna take this moment to just pour the praise on you and how you know, you have steadily, you know, right now, I feel like it's been an explosion for you, but you've been putting in the work on this side of the broadcasting. And so I'm very happy to see all the ways that um, you have impact and like your voice really matters and has strength right now and, um, and will continue to do so and grow. So, um, and especially because you know how we even came up together, um, it's extra meaningful. And I do actually really remember you always showing love, especially early in my career when, you know, I was, I'm still building up to certain things. And, um, you know, right now for me, um, I'm at ESPN in the boardroom. It, I feel like on one side, I'm covering NBA and WNBA with, with ESPN, but the boardroom is sports business, yeah. which I know, you know, I know you're interested on the word sports is meeting tech and crypto and business. We'll talk about it, yeah. but I feel like you're so right. Like, women's sports is growing in attention. Um, it, the, the product is great. I think the biggest thing is that so often we have conversations with women about how they've overcome their femininity in a male dominated world, how they've overcome being black in the space. But the, the, the vantage point is wrong. I think we've really begun to blossom because instead of having conversations of overcoming as though our femininity or our blackness is an obstacle, we're leaning in on those exact characteristics that actually give us strength, right? Like I, for real in my career, don't feel that I fully, don't, don't feel that I fully like took off or found my lane or until I leaned in the most into who I am as a woman, as a black woman, as a, my personality, the things that I care about, instead of trying to hide us or, um, you know, make us fit in, like these can be viewed as our unique strengths and perspectives. And that's what's happening with women's basketball. The game has been good and it continues to improve and parity is up, but we're, we're having, we're learning more about the causes and passions like you have shown us so well this summer that are important to the WNBA players, to you, Renee, and we're also learning like who you are as a person. And like, that is what also not only builds interest, but also translates to money too. Well, somebody money. I'm so glad you said that because a lot of times, a lot of these conversations, like you're right, it's shifted. It was like, can we get a seat at the table? Can we get this gig to now where it's like, yo, Ross, I see you. Like, I'm like, <laughs> we're like turned up about it because we just see everything. Shanae Agumake has a film that she's producing coming out about the oh. Like, you know, like this is, it's a celebratory at this point. It's like, we're leaned all the way in. And now the money is starting to come with it. You start to see different brands buying into the WNBA and women, you know, like just seeing the advertisements that I haven't seen women have before. Talking about the brands and different things, there's an explosion on the business side. We see mm -hmm. now business owners that were athletes, team owners, but we also see athletes getting into this tech crypto world. I know Kevin Durant actually is big in this space, but I don't see very many women and it's so lit because you're in the crypto space, the tech space, we know it's heavily dominated by men, but it, I don't really care. I love that you're in it. I saw you say, was it Dogecoin? You said one of them is all the way up. I checked Dogecoin this morning. It's crazy <laughs> right now. Can you just talk about the crypto? My parents, 
they're like, don't give me that fake money. They're like, <laughs> they said, I don't want I'll be trying to get everybody in it, but can you just talk about Top Shot? Like, let me just go to Top okay. Shot then so it's not okay. going to go all the way. What is Top Shot? Can you just tell people what is Top Shot? Well, Top Shot is sports meeting crypto. Um, you know, and if it's, it's, it's an NFT, you know, platform. A non-fungible token, but more more accessible is it's a digital collectible, if you will, right? And so, you know, instead of these like cards, which already have very rapid and and active user base, like there are these digital video moments of plays that we see on the court happening. And, you know, there's been a ton of, of interviews and videos you can watch about like what it is, but I think the best thing you can do is actually go check it out. Um, especially if you're a basketball fan. And that's actually how I started. Like, you know, um, with the crypto stuff, like as far as currencies and tokens and coins and things, I mean, that can be a little bit more intimidating, but it's not that hard. It's, it just feels foreign. And I remember at the end of, you know, for me, it was like kind of jumping in in 2020 and um, deciding that after, you know, just being, I, I did not want to be, um, ignorance. I felt that at first, all I wanted to do was at least be aware of something. I was becoming aware just by reading articles or staying up on the news, like something, and also the circles I keep, like sometimes you just kind of take it in by osmosis. Um, something is definitely shifting, whether or not you believe it's the way or not for the future is shifting about the way we're assigning and holding value and assets. So for me, I just was tired of looking around and seeing other people making gains and me not really understanding big gains. And not, that doesn't mean just go charging in, but just like me deciding that, oh, it's too complicated. No, that, that's an easy way out. So I challenged myself to do a little reading, to talk to people. You know, I've slid in, I've been on discords, you go on clubhouse, you got to do a little work, but it's not hard. And then eventually once you're aware and you've kind of got, you start to see things as they're happening and you can fundamentally wrap your mind around why it might be important. Some of these various, you know, crypto currencies or an NFT, it will help you make decisions on whether or not you want to be active and maybe, you know, get in the game or not. So that's the, for the first, just for me on conceptually deciding, let me dip my toe in this space. Then as far as the NFTs and, and Top Shot for me, its greatest legacy for me is going to be that it's an entry gateway for so many people into the greater world of NFTs. So like that was my entry point. I've now, I'm, I'm in deep. I'm in a lot of other things beyond Top Shot. But, um, but Top Shot was cool. I remember approaching it and being like, I actually had heard about Top Shot weeks before I actually started it. And I regret that. But, uh, but those weeks made a difference, you know, yeah, those but weeks, I got a hundred packs in a week and now it's like, you can't, it's can't even get a pack. But what I found was I said, Roz, it's literally basketball. Go check it out. You love basketball. Go check it. I know it feels foreign. Go check it out. I gave it a try. It wasn't hard. It turned out it was fun. And then not only in Top Shot, but I really, truly feel in the crypto space, the community is um, super helpful. And I've made a lot of friends and have found myself fascinated. And for many reasons with NFTs, I find myself very inspired for what, what they mean for the overall experience for those who are consuming, for those who are creating, who's being protected, who's being rewarded um, over content. And um, it, it takes out middlemen. It's, 
it's very exciting. I definitely think we're just, you know, you know, probably more the beginning was like 2017 or so or 18, but it's still so early in all of this. And I, I choose to be open-minded and a voyager. I'm a beginner. I'm a learner. I'm curious. I'm only playing with what I can afford to lose. And I'm only, and I'm only moving in the things that I truly like and believe in so that if all this means nothing, at least I'm not mad to have it. (laughs) So let me ask you this though, because, so I think that because anytime that the trading cards, memorabilia has never been higher in a sense of even just actual trading cards, but now you have that fan base trading these digital moments. What do you think that'll mean for like the WNBA when there might not be a lot of people that are into the WNBA, but top shot and they see that this could be opportunity. Like, what do you see that doing for uh, uh, something like the WNBA? Oh, I think it's going to be, I think it'll be huge. And, you know, it hasn't, I don't know if it's been officially announced, but it's absolutely been chatted about between, you know, top shot employees and, and dapper people um, that, that there might be a collaboration with a W on the way. And I think first and foremost, I can definitely say on the NBA side, there's a number of people who are on top shot who don't even really, who never really like were big time basketball fans. And now because of top shot, have had to become because they, you know, they got to understand who to invest in or, you know, which player to believe in um, or to, or to grab a moment from. So I think the same thing with the W will happen. Um, And, you know, I think, I think it's a a good look. It's another way to engage fans as the attention span, as the way fans are consuming sport content is changing. Here comes a new way. And what Dapper has really hit um, it on the head with Top Shot with is, um, crypto is either, you can't take your eyes off of it, whether you're in it, you're fascinated, you're intimidated, it, it's happening. It, it combines that, it combines the boom of NFTs, it combines this fantasy aspect, you know, kind of like a stock market, you get in, you know, and then like you get in and you're buying stock in someone and hopefully their career continues to blossom. Um, there's a gaming aspect, there's a sports betting aspect. These are all industries that are booming and that all kind of comes together in Top Shot. And one thing that they said that I thought was interesting too is it won't be a copy paste for the W or whatever other leagues that they're going to be working with. It'll be very specific. There'll be parts of it that'll be similar and recognizable, but I think it's important that the effort that goes out for, for whatever the iteration is for the W or whatever you know leagues that they work with is specific to that group because as you know, Renee, the W is uniquely special. Definitely. Definitely. I love that. I didn't know that. So I'm actually like, that's lit. Now I want to see like what they're brewing up over there. So we're talking about the NBA and I want to talk about that a little bit because the NBA is kind of all over the place. I mean, there's a lot of injuries as we know, condensed season, my Hawk squad. I mean, we've been hit just like everybody else I know, but pretty heavy. What do you but y'all about to be in the playoffs is looking like, okay. <laughs> yeah. We're about to be in the playoffs. Okay. And so I have some questions. Do you believe the Utah Jazz? So the reason I asked that, you know what I like, so Utah Jazz has been great all regular season, but let's say Utah Jazz meets the Golden State Warriors. Like, do we believe them? The statistics say that they should blow the Golden State Warriors out of the water. So please don't make it a Warriors. Give me another team. Oh, okay. Because okay. now, you, now you got me thinking emotionally because I oh, love no, no, the no. I wasn't even using versus... I was using an example like a player like a Steph Curry can get hot and he's so good that so let me just say if they match up with the Lakers or, or let's say the Lakers, a healthy Lakers team, 
Is that emotional too? I don't know. It's hard. I know. Like, no, it's not emotional. I can't answer any question, but I was just like, you know, when it comes to the warrior, what, but when it's it comes to the Utah jazz, we know that statistically they've been killing it all season long. Yeah. So what's going to happen in the playoffs is what everyone's asking. So do you, what do you think is going to happen in the playoffs? Are the top teams like a jazz, like a Denver nuggets, are they going to be able to withstand? Um, I don't want to use Steph Curry, but let's say a Damian Lillard, these people that are, gonna you know we know we've seen it happen in the bubble when it shows up what's gonna happen I, I always ask people this because the stats say one thing <laughs> you sound like you don't believe I don't know I have to see it this is what I say I gotta see it too. You sound, so okay I'll say this I'll say this uh I'll, I'll I'll get to the jazz um but you mentioned the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers right now need to get healthy. Their in, injury list is piling up there. They barely are practicing, but here's the thing. If they continue to slide and you got to be a team to see a, a Lakers that gets back a healthy AD and LeBron in the first round, That's that sucks. Yeah. Like that really sucks. <laughs> I don't care. So like that, that's a, that's a trap. That's a trap waiting to happen. And, and it, it'll be interesting as we get closer to the end of the season, what actually plays out for seating for the Lakers, because they're in a, you know, they're just the, the injuries for them right now are crazy. Yeah. Um, I'll, to address the Warriors specifically, I've learned never to count out Steph. Now to address the jazz though, I think they're real overall. I do think they're real. Here's why. I believe that teams that can win in the playoffs play defense. Um, the Jazz have an ingredients of the following three. Their ingredients are they shoot the three well, yep. they they defend, and they have depth. You know, they it's, it's much more than the Donovan Mitchell show over there. Like, you know, the, everybody everybody's shooting a three at a high level. Yeah, they you know, they got they got heat coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got Rudy Gobert anchoring the defense. Um, and you know, you got Conley's veteran experience, you know, Clarkson, as long as everybody's healthy, you know, Clarkson has been in the early in the season, great off of the bench. Like, um, I think, I think that absolutely they are real. One more thing I'll say too, is the jazz, we paid a lot of attention to the Clippers, but the jazz also had a really painful exit from the playoffs last year. And they went after dropping down three, one, um, and and I think pain is a great teacher and unifier. This is a jazz team that will come into the playoffs, remembering the pain of how they exited from the bubble. And I think that will give them the urgency needed. Sometimes you got to hurt first before you can take that leap. I so not only are they- I mean, everybody knows that he had that crying meme. And then he said, I'll be back and look at what he's doing right now. Like, I mean, he is making right. feel the wrath of that exit. So I'm so happy for Joel. I was covering that series, actually. Um, it was it was the four bounce buzzer beating game winner, Kawhi Leonard, Raptors over the 76ers, literally Joel Embiid crying off the court. I'll never forget. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. My God. And, you know, just you could feel the whole honestly, like country of Canada, like just erupt. It felt like yeah. If it, it was Toronto, but it just felt like it was a sigh of relief to finally get over that hump. It was more than just a city. It was a country almost, you know, like, you know, and, um, and then on the other side, man, Joel Embiid right now, the way he's come back from injury, he's right back up there for me for MVP. We're going to win it for Africa, baby. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So, cause you brought up Rudy Gobert. So I'm going to get to MVP. You brought up Rudy Gobert and a lot of people are saying he's probably going to be defensive player of the year, but I'm just curious. 
do you think Clint Capella should be in that conversation? Should he be up there? Like, if he, because I've noticed Clint Capella's probably been leading the league in, in rebounding almost the whole season. I think right now he's number three in blocks. As we know, he's that's his role. So mm-hmm. who do you have for defensive player of the year this year? Absolutely. Flowers to Clint Capella. Um, you know, I don't think he'll, I don't, I don't think he'll win it, but I think that he absolutely should be in the consideration. Um, and also when you think about team narrative, you know, how well the team is doing and, and him being a defensive catalyst there and all he's doing consistently on the grass glass, you know, absolutely. But I think probably the front runners, um, you know, people also mention Miles Turner as someone who could have been in the conversation, but I think the front runners for this award um, are Rudy Gobert and Ben Simmons. And, um, you know, you're looking at the top two teams on in the respective conferences. And I and, that, like, if you're a top team, then you should have the of the year type. Yeah. 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 I think also, like, if your team makes a huge jump, that's important, too. I, I'm not totally stuck on you got to be on the best team, but I do think that narrative matters on top of uh, statistical significance. The defensive player of the year award is a tough one to do too, because a lot of times people are just looking who's leading the league in rebounds, who's leading in blocks. So it's a type of award where usually a wing player can get missed. That's why I actually have been very carefully paying attention to Ben Simmons, because you really have to watch Ben Simmons to really understand how he's affecting the game, because statistically you may not have enough to make that argument. Right. Um, you know, so like with uh, Rudy Gobert, last I checked, he was like number two in blocks and, and rebounds. Yep. Rudy, it's not even just the shots he's blocking, it's the shots he's changing. It's also the fact that when you're in, a, the other team comes in and wants to run a pick and roll, you got to really consider how you're going to do it with, with Rudy. You may even change up your whole game plan because of Rudy being in it. You might put somebody who can pick and pop in there or something like that. Um, and then also when you got Rudy back there, the guards, you know, we could get up there and get up and defend and be all close because you got Rudy back Yep. So Rudy's overall defensive like net is big, right? Right. But I'm gonna make the case for my man, Ben Simmons. I've been on the Ben Simmons train. I am high on Ben Simmons and he's my choice for, for defensive player of the year. His versatility, he can play one through five. He has done it this year when Joel was out. Um, he can change games, close games on the, on the night after night, the other team's best player. Oh, but Roz, what happened when so-and-so went off for 40? Dog, this is the NBA. Ben Simmons is not going to lock everybody up for zero every night. That's not what being defensive player of the year means. And it's impossible. That is such a whack argument. When I say that, someone will point out like, oh, well, so-and-so torched him that one time. All right. Well, the other, you know, 70% of the times he's on someone, he's holding them for less percentage and less points. You can't lock someone up every, you're going to get scorched in the NBA. Stop it. But uh, it's talking rods because that's, you always say you can try to contain a good player or make their shots difficult, but you can never stop a good score from scoring because good offense always beats good defense. That's that's a casual fan talking if they say that to you. A casual fan. And he has actually clamped some important moments, some star players. And it's also just like, you'll see him on like Damian Lillard. And then another time, like uh, Joel was out with injury. He was on Rudy Gobert, like at times, like he, um, his just versatility, his length, his strength, his quickness, and just the impactful moments he has. I got Ben Simmons. I love it. Um, And I'm just going to say one more thing about Ben Simmons. I watch a lot of his film as well. If you watch him, it's how he plays. So to your point, it's not the stats. It's like he doesn't take plays off. So for me, I respect that. I'm still going for Clint Capella. 
just for all the reasons <laughs> that for Rudy Gobert, we weren't a defensive team. Everybody knows that, but all of a sudden we're an okay defensive team because of Clint. MVP, who you got? Oh, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, but, it's not easy. Like, it's not even Jokic. Well, like, it's not even because there's a lot of Jokic talk. So you- uh, There's a lot of Jokic talk. No, 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 no. Jokic is absolutely, um, is absolutely deserving of, you know, being in the top tier, a, a front runner conversation for MVP. Also, let me- um, pump let me pump my 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 gains if you will i am a happy Jokic owner on top shot of a few of his okay. great moments so let's pump let's pump i'll be seeing okay. Jokic go off I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> come on get the top shot going Jokic. i got i got i got his uh what did i get i got his all-star rare moment this year i was like come on Jokic, let's go baby i found him in a pack what a blessing what but a anyway. blessing what a blessing god is good <laughs> but, let me tell you so but anyway for mvp though um so here's how i feel first half of the season Embiid is my mvp period point blank i mean you're talking about his um efficiency his ability to get to the free throw line his conditioning his defensive prowess both ends got the got the 76ers to the top of the east right uh finally realizing their potential then he gets hurt so other narratives shifted in, I, you know, Jokic was starting to get groovy. Plus the Nuggets was a lot better than they were to start the season. Um, Harden started to take off for a second. I was like, man, Harden got to win the MVP. But mad people are hurt. LeBron is hurt. Harden is hurt. Um, and I think Jamal Murray. Was he ever considered by you, Dame Lillard? I heard a little. Oh, Dame absolutely was an MVP candidate. I just, especially with all the injuries and how he kind of kept the trailblazers um, steady. I just feel like the other narratives are stronger. Plus the before, but Dame if you want to make an argument, is Dame the most important player to his team? I don't know. I think Joel is pretty important too, but uh, Dame absolutely needs to be discussed in that way. Um, and I used to, I remember coming out of all-star break, I was literally like yelling that. I think we do often overlook Dame, but I do think the case for Joel is so good. Um, the injuries to other players, plus Jamal Murray's injury, I think now may affect the overall success of, of the Nuggets. And that might hurt you know, Jokic's campaign, but literally out of the injury, Joel Embiid has been wildly dominant. The 76ers, if they stay at the top of the East, man, how are you not going to give it to them? I'm going to say you got defensive player of the year for the 76ers. You got MVP. So that like most improved, who are you going with for that? That's the last one I'm going to ask. Most improved player. That is a tougher one for me. I don't know. Who do you got? I don't know. A lot of Julius Randle talk is what I say. Oh, yeah, Julius. And I'm actually, I'm from New York. I'm from Queens. Grew up a Knicks fan. So, like, yeah, I think Julius Randle for sure. I mean, just, shoot, I might give the most improved team award to the Knicks and Tibbs. Like, you know, like, overall, it's a very, this is the first time in a while that the Knicks have been respectable. Like, we're not a joke. We're serious. We're very much about to make the playoffs and, and very much about to make the playoffs. We got a squad. We're founded in defense. Um, and we got an all-star in Julius Randle, you know, yeah, who's you. Okay. Look how you say it with your chest. Like, we gotta. <laughs> so I'm gonna give, I, I would, for sure, I'm, I'm gonna also, just let me do all my favorites. Everything that I belong to, I'm a show right now. So I'm a born and raised Knicks fan. So I'm gonna go ahead and say 
Julius Randall could be most improved. And overall, I'm gonna make a new award for most improved team. I'm gonna say the Knicks as well. I like that. I'm gonna counter with the Atlanta Hawks because we went. I knew you were gonna say the Hawks. <laughs> I mean, we're sitting at number four right now. People thought that that yeah. was a joke. Like when I said we could be a four to six range team, they were like, you'll be happy to make the playoffs. And I'm like, we, we've been injury written as well. So I'll just, yeah. yeah. And speaking of Trey Young didn't make the all-star game. I still think that's a little bit wild in Atlanta. It's wild, but Roz. Who would he have gotten in over though? You know, like that's the tough part, you know, but I do feel but, you on but in he was the only, so he was the only top 10 scorer that didn't make it. So I would say anybody that wasn't in the, I know people don't like that, but that's no, how, no, I, that's how it normally works. So it's like, he was the only top 10 scorer not in it. So I would say whoever the 11 score was just to, <sighs> just to, just to make it simple. Everybody else in the top 10 was in, he wasn't. So yeah, no, look, I love Trey and <laughs> I, I really, I really do. His game is thrilling and I can just imagine what it probably means to him. It's his third year now, right? Is it just yeah. the third? Damn. But like to see that the organization be in a position to make the playoffs in his third year, I mean, I can only imagine what that means for him personally, because I know I know he has talked about not just the individual success, but the collective success of the team yeah. coming with him. So super happy for him. Super happy for y'all. No shade. No shade. Let me hear either, because when we went head to head, I was like, oh, my gosh, we lost to the Knicks. But then I was like, dang, the Knicks are good. Like it was the first yeah. time we played y'all early. So I was like, dang, we lost to the Knicks. But then I started y'all started beating lots of people. I'm like. Okay, Knicks, we're not the bottom of the barrel, neither one of us. So yeah. I'm this win together with you that both of our teams are respectable this Respectable, year. more than respectable. I mean, we here, okay? That's <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. I love getting your breakdown and I love seeing you everywhere, man, for real. Oh, Can thank you. you. Kill it. And thank you for joining me on remotely. Oh, thank you for having me, girl. Um, and all flowers to you. You just keep rising. I wonder who did get that ball in that picture we was going I know, on. right? We got to figure that. We got to check the tape. Check the tape. And I love it. Is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood? Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.